by episode, storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code, with your host, <laughs> Charles Rose. Did I say that? Yeah. Harry Mullen. this thing about the, the, the real person, and we go, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions, live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh, yeah. Well, it looks really nice here. I mean, like, you're, you're, you guys are all decorated for the holidays. Is that what's happened? Um, no. Not no. really. We're just trying to deal with the, uh, the change in temperature from 60, 70 degrees down to 30. <laughs> And this one of the, uh, is every one of those red things in the background a little heat heating uh, system or, or I mean it looks like you got a lot of uh, you know balls that you'd hang on uh, Christmas trees. Yeah. These are wine bottles. Wine bottles. Oh wine my bottles. gosh! See, I'm just not a wino. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's Neither much better. Yeah, but this is a friend of mine's wine bar. It's awesome. Ah, yeah. very nice. It's an it's an interesting. So don't they, they, and where you live is is in Washington. That's wine country, right? Yes, it is. Part right. yes. Um, we have several wineries around us, and uh, more more vineyards uh, popping up, and then a little bit south of here as well. Really, really good young vintners coming and. Mm. It's good. Washington State's pretty darn good wine. Yeah. I feel like having some wine right now. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Again, uh, Charles Rosen, of course, is here. And we are joined by Diane Young, who has been... By the way, Diane, these episodes are doing incredible. People are talking about you like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> like, she's uh -oh. so amazing. We love her. Get her on more. <laughs> I want to know about this. I want to know about that. So, so things that we already talked about, they want to even know more about. So we'll do that with fans at some it's point. It's never enough for these people. It's never <laughs> enough for any of them, including, including Pete. Yeah. That's more. True. What else? What else did you What else did you feel in that millisecond? 40 <laughs> seconds. 30 years ago what did you feel i mean this is it's you know? it's really been it's been really incredible so i hope this is fun for you as well it, it, it has been i've had to learn <laughs> there are, i've been thinking about it in the last week there are things i do a little bit differently if i started over but it, it um you mean starting over on our podcast or starting over as a casting director uh starting over in the podcast okay Just well because there are some things I haven't been prepared for, and I don't like that. <laughs> I know, but that's what makes this so great. And we will revisit the topics a hundred more times. So don't be, <laughs> don't worry. We'll get it out of you, whatever, you, whatever. This is probably a little bit like therapy in some way too, right? Kind of, yes, it is actually going to the past, to 30 years ago and remembering, oh my God. <laughs> Chuck, did you feel like it was therapy when we first started doing the podcast at all? No, I thought it was a pain in the ass, but I like <laughs> I liked you, so it was okay. And you brought Larry in, and we could have fun. Yeah, Larry. No, no, never, 
Never therapy. And then it did become it because I, uh, and, and I think you can appreciate this, Diane, is that, is that because of the way that I, you know, I left the show. Yeah. It immediately changed. It became so different than the show that preceded it, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And, and the relationship that I had with Aaron Spelling, which I thought was a, seminal relationship with the organization so i didn't the, the show only be, for me very quickly just became what we used to call the october surprise uh. which was i get a check and it would be what the show made that year at least with my 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 take on it and that's and it would be great oh good we can live another year the kids can go to school we get another <laughs> yeah, all of that kind of stuff and I really didn't think about the impact that the show had. There were a few glimmers, but I thought they were the outliers. Mm -hmm. And then doing the show with Pete and got getting to know some of the super fans by name, um, uh, you realize, well, no, this really did have some, some impact on people, not only here in the States, but around the world. And that was really um, gratifying. Absolutely. Uh, I, I feel badly that the show that they can see today is not the show that Mr. Spelling and I made. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's just has to do with corporate greed. And nobody, and when we read today, I don't know if you saw some of this news up there in the Northwest. If not, got to go online and look up the, uh, the uh, fines that CBS has had to pay for Les Moonves and, hey. and the president of CBS. And they can afford to, you know, throw fifty million off the top to um, cover their crimes, but you know, to wow, twenty two nine hundred two and O shows and, and do music rights on them—that's impossible to do. Mm. So it's a very interesting you know, point, it, it, Chuck. It, it, it's a crummy industry, uh, fueled increasingly by very greedy people, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and the collegiality that I feel that we had naturally making our show a lot of that they're probably shows you were for Shonda Rhimes I'm sure that that world has that I'm sure that Ryan uh, Murphy's world in its right. own way has that very few shops are really seem to me like you know happy vibrant um mini communities and, mm -hmm. you know I think so I'm grateful that I got to make tv and I think a better time for the community of of purveyors to to do their work mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to now when I think there's no real structure you know uh, I've talked to Pete about this we knew it was pilot season it was pickup season yes. it was staffing season and then you started over again and there was a way to position yourself to participate and today I think it's just all catches catch can mm. I'm so far removed from it now, although occasionally when I talk to an old friend, they'll tell me a little bit about it and I cannot, or I'll read something. I just can't imagine being there now, just like you. I, because well, it, it just was so different. I remember it was in 96. It was the year after I left 90210. Mm -hmm. And I had a, uh, a pilot project with, uh, at CBS, because they, they gave me some commitments and I got in business with the Bells, but the Bill Bell family oh, okay. were, my, were my partners. And, and we actually had to take notes on the phone 
and they were so apologetic that they could not have us come in. And that was the first sign of, oh, what do you mean? Everything's on the phone. And now, of course, talk about it with casting. And everybody just goes on digitally and has right. to work. <laughs> and there's nothing that magic that can happen in the room yes. that doesn't really exist. It, it, it's, uh, it's manufactured and, and submitted and hope that someone will be paying attention that second. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've, you know but, but some of the shows come out and they're very good. So, and, and they're very talented people involved. So, you know, life goes on too. Your life yes. goes on. I have to catch up. Let's let's <laughs> get into what we're here to talk about. Season two Season of two. Beverly Hills 90210. Um, for Chuck first, you were happy to get here. <laughs> It was it it was an accomplishment that we were getting to this place. They canceled in the first twelve, and uh, and we was just now hoping you know we would they would dole out an episode or two for us and this and then all of a sudden we catch fire and we're doing summer episodes and we're getting edicts about how we have to deal with teenage sexuality and we are not going forward in the school year so we're repeating a year that the kids have already had um it, the, the the series changed from the walsh family show to high, what i call high school hijinks as opposed to next time that diane and i talk about the series we'll be talking about season three which was senior year right and we went back into real time and we were we were we were uh, in a real way, playing off the calendar, we were we were play acting in season two. So for you, Diane, how does this how does season two change for you? Because they're going to be doing summer episodes, so you'd probably have to come back to work earlier, I would imagine. Yes, and I think that was was that the year of the Los Angeles riots, Chuck. The riots came between second uh, season two and uh, season three. And three. Okay. Yeah. So. The riots occurred. That was the weekend that uh, Gabrielle and and her husband Charlie um, Isaacs got married. Wow. Okay. Up at the Biltmore Hotel, and that was yeah, that was in May. That was in May of of ninety two. Okay. So we're we're talking about here what Pete's talking about. We're starting this conversation about May and June of ninety one. Ninety one. That's what, okay. Because I couldn't, in July of ninety one. I couldn't. Yeah, I think so. I couldn't remember which one it was because I remember specifically about between two and three then, and yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, between one and two, I remember thinking, oh wow. This is going to happen. This is really interesting. How how is it going to happen? And oh my God, I have to come back earlier. Yes, a little bit earlier. But I don't think that they. I don't remember specifically when I came, except more maybe in May. Instead I don't think you probably got a day off. Probably not. I, I I think that you were probably one that had to just like like Paul Wagner, like me, like yeah. Tom Victor. We just kept working. Yeah, I had a little bit of time off, I remember, but then it was boom, right back into it. Yeah, and, I mean, and it was all like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, look at this. And what are we going to do? And we're going to do how many episodes? That kind of thing. Well, we were up to 28, yeah, 28 <laughs> to 29. And, uh, and we didn't know, of course, that we would be spinning off uh, Melrose Place. We'll get to uh, that. Yeah. 
that, that was the oh. end of the season, and uh, that was a that was kind of a big thing, and 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 a big change for a lot of big changes came out of nine hundred two and zero because of that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> one of the biggest changes that happened with this one, of course, was our decision early on not to bring back uh, Doug Emerson. So let's get there. That's where I wanted to start. Let's talk about that with you, Chuck. Doug Emerson is a part of everything 90210 in the beginning. He's in all the cast pictures that slowly starts to change as we develop through the season. Brian's definitely able to hold himself on his own. He doesn't really need this sidekick friend, you know. So where was the choice? When was that decision made? The decision was was always in working we we had the lowest license fees of television and it wasn't going to change between the first and second year so mr spelling was looking for help in in the budgets which which could mean different things one of them is don't write so many scenes out of outside of our sets use your sets keep people on the stages you don't have to move your trucks save money the other one of course is have fewer characters to write and i could see less and less situations that i would be doing something for uh scott character of scott it only would be there as his connection to uh, david silver and with that not being as germane uh i approached him and asked diane i forget how we did it you approached the family to Tony Shepard after approached the family that we wanted you um, to be in these episodes, but we weren't going to bring you back in full cast. And they were, you know, uh, appreciative to be part of the community and agreed to do the episodes that we said we would write for for him, leading to the um, the gun show which was a sweeps episode in November where we have a gun accident. Diane, what is this memory of you, for you of, of dealing with the Doug Emerson removal? I, I'm trying to have some memory of it. Mm-hmm. It's, I would think just how it would affect other casting and the other characters that were around him, like the actress who played his mother. Um, and... I had known Doug for a long, long time and thought, oh, you know, that's too bad. But they were very, very gracious, just as Chuck said about it. Just and what I really gracious. remember about it is just that, you know, who got that Jenny got very, very upset on the day that was his last day of filming. Oh. Emotionally that, upset that she was that. Yeah, he, she was my, the person, Jenny Garth, not Kelly Taylor. Jenny I understand Garth, that he was leaving. And I thought. Well, that's, I, and I remember just comparing her feelings to my feelings. And my feelings were, well, you know, as a business, sorry, you were there. Thank you for your help. You know, rather than having even a moment to think about in, in depth about what emotion he and his family must be going through at that, at that moment, because I had thought about that three to four months before two to three months before when decisions were made, not at the moment of his last day. Mm-hmm. So, right, and everybody gets kind of caught up in it, I'm sure. The, 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 well, once the mo- you're in any, any kind of business and you make a decision, 
you have to stand by your decision, you kind of, you inure yourself to it. Well, we had to do this. I'm sure that, uh, you know, um, Elon Musk is, is <laughs> goes over that every single day relative to, well, I had to do this at Twitter. So I had to let him off. <laughs> I had to do it. There was no other choice, you know. I understand that. Uh, Meta today, Zuckerberg let off. Meta of 11,000, right? Yeah. 11,000? Something like that, right? Wasn't it crazy? that tell you? Yeah. Wow. Um, but I should say, I mean, as the super fan representative of this show, I mean, look, between season one and two, they're, they're different shows. The show is evolving into something. The, the storylines are getting more important. The acting needs to be at a certain level. And I love Doug Emerson. He's wonderful. He's He's been great on this show. And I think the world of him, but at some point the show went from the show of the week to serious issues and needing to be, be to be at a, a certain level. I mean, you look at like Luke Perry and what Brian was doing and Jason, and you look at those actresses and actors, and the only character that just was not evolving and growing was the Scott Scanlon character. And I don't know well, if that's re reflective of the actor or the yeah. way everything was going, you know, but I mean, we have to well, call it, brings, it what it, it is. brings up a story from season one that we were talking about. Oh, yes, we did talk about season one. We haven't talked about season three. When, 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 we, um, when we did the story, East Side Story, and, and the decision was to rewrite a script and not go forward with a script that wasn't as good, and rewrite it and change the storyline and go into crap without a script, the only time, I under my 143, the only time we didn't have a script ready on the day it was supposed to be ready was that day because of this decision making and 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 spelling and i were fighting over something uh whatever it was and and he then his response to seeing this script was well now you've done it now you're going to have to make every every episode this good right you, you know in other words you can't slide you can't do a stupid episode that's just there because it's the one that you got ready by the time you needed to shoot it. You, you know, in other words, we, we were trying a little harder. We were raising it a little higher. So just to confirm what Pete said there, and may, maybe that did catch up with certainly, and, and also that Brian knew where his, you know, I, I, I let the, the, the world be open, the actors to come and see me. And uh, I've often talked about it, you know, that I encourage them all to come. And so I made appointments for them, tell me what they liked that I did and what they want me to change. So every actor had that choice. Right. And I think the most interesting thing about that whole process and, and whether she would ever admit that to now is, is, is really immaterial, but I <clears throat> certainly remember it. Shannon was sure she was coming to get fired. Come talk yeah. to me because why else would I want to talk to her? Well, and what, what, what were you talking about? I just wanted to know what she wanted, liked in the first season and what she wanted oh. to do more of. <laughs> I was a, I would, you know, because as we talked about with Diane relative to actors, it, I didn't spend time with actors. I didn't know actors. I didn't know actors think. I didn't know what they wanted. But I thought if I would open myself up to hearing from them, that I could do a better job of serving their characters. Yeah. Well, and, like, uh, even Dylan even has a line in when Scott leaves. It's like, I don't even know which one Scott is you know what i mean like at at some point it becomes i forgot scott was even on the show i mean and 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 just, he just wasn't there wasn't any interesting stuff that could happen for that character you know outside of you know 
which will, you know, egging a car and all that kind of stuff that he does in the Halloween and all, all that stuff. But he, you know, I mean, who knows? I think he's a, a great guy, like I said, and he's been wonderful for here. But that must have been well, a that's very the interesting thing, Diane, that you wouldn't necessarily know that when Pete makes reference to the uh, the Halloween episode mm-hmm. that he and 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 uh and david silver go out and behave like freshman boys and egging stuff and doing kind of the rowdy trick-or-treats that beverly hills was was a big part of growing up in beverly hills mm-hmm. uh in in the decades before we made the show but nonetheless we were we were doing an homage to that and you saw how much fun they had just being young boys mm-hmm. and of course the next episode is his birthday and the next episode that episode is he meets the gun accident yeah, but the accident would have meant as much if we hadn't had that other moment there to remind the audience immediately who's watching. Yeah, this is was the fun these guys had. This was the freshman humor that was such a part of our show in season one. Here's a throwback to it. Um, don't get used to it because you're not going to see too much of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And and you know Fox loves this because they get to do the promo. Someone's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think once, once, once my uh, my friend Sandy Grushow figured out that could be the promo, he was okay with the concept. Right. Just needed a promo. I need to know what I'm going to do my promo. Oh, now I know. Okay, I can do it. All right. So, but but in season two, we have to talk about the fact that there's a lot more characters that you have to now put together because there's a there's a whole beach club, right? There, there's going to be a beach club, and one of those first people that I guess guess probably probably that gets cast as James Pickens Jr. as uh Henry Thomas the 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 club manager or Brandon's boss so do you remember meeting James Pickens Jr. yes absolutely and he came in and I just thought why don't I know you and it was one of those times I thought I wish I had known you all this time because you're such a good actor and personable nice guy and so very good. And that's when I thought, okay, he gets to come in. <laughs> Do you remember casting him, Chuck? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, it wasn't, we, 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 and as we said, because of the problems that we had with Screen Actors Guild, given our um, lack of compliance with whatever regulations or rules that they had relative to um, minority, Authority, affirmative action hiring, um, you know, so I would always be inclined to look for any part where we could put in someone that could help us in that in that realm. But I just remember James being uh, making us all laugh when he talked about his shows and, and the, the young and the restless and that he was this guy that you wouldn't expect to be watching soaps. And he just is absolutely the rough Marine that you would then want to do that. And so he brought that kind of, it, it was like, um, who was the, in the Richard Gere, Deborah Winger movie uh, about the pilot? Yes. The, uh, who was the, the, the terrific actor who was in Roots, who went on to win an Academy Award for playing the uh, uh, soldier? Um, Oh, I know. I can see his face right what? in front of me. And his brother's an actor as well. Wait, excuse me. I'm on a, I'm on a, podcast, I'm, I'm on a live TV show. I'm on a show. What's going on? I can't talk right now. Do they need help from me?
Where's Tamir? No, I can't come. I'm on Let's Take Live. This is important. I'm talking about things 30 years ago. This is vitally important. Breaking okay. news. Lo siento. All right. Louis um, Gossett Jr. That's who it is, yes. Yes. Louis Gossett Jr. Yes. Well, that was that. That's right. And and I thought James had that quality. Yes. And sometimes that you look for that, you know, you're the TV version of Lou Gossett Jr. And listen, James Pickens is still working. He's an incredible actor. You know, he's 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 gone on to do in, in, incredible stuff. He's been on Grey's Anatomy for 17 years. He is Grey's Anatomy. He is <laughs> yeah. Shonda Rhimes. And, you know, he, he, he should say his prayers every night thanking for Shonda Rhimes. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. He was uh, a real good, he was a good find. So another person is the... I think it's Michael St. Gerard. Is that the the Elvis yes. school teacher? This didn't go so well. Let's let's talk. Let's talk. Do you remember casting Michael St. Gerard? Diane. I remember him coming in and I knew the name. I and he was hired and I didn't hear anything that didn't go well. So I'm <laughs> hmm. He, well, Diane, he was somebody, you know, he was the lead of the Elvis yes, TV series, and that was really well written. Rick, Rick Husky was it, and I remember thinking, boy, those network guys doing a show like that, I would have loved to have been on that young Elvis. That Elvis show is going to go on forever. And of course, it, it, after six episodes, it was done. And I couldn't figure out why. Why could how that possibly be? Because Elvis was... Uh, you know, it's, it's just, just rooted in American culture and, and interest in Elvis and Elvis this and Elvis that. And, um, you know, Michael uh, actually pretty much stopped acting after us. I think he became a preacher. And he, um, there were there were things with that character. And I remember he, he came in to read. He was really good. He reminded me of a teacher. Everything was Good, but that was the introduction. So he's playing an, a role like I'm your tour guide, kind of. And he had to then start playing as a character, the stuff that you're wanting to say, boy, I could really build a lot around a drama teacher. Right. Especially myself being someone who spent so much time in, in high school drama. Um, there were just so many things that could be done, and uh, but not with him. And so that ended and we, we had to scramble because in my mind i had to scramble because he wasn't going to be in episodes seven eight nine ten he wasn't going to be there in the school year do you so, think chuck the fact that this was the summer episodes and we were moving very quickly to put people in place that that had something to do with maybe not getting the better drama teacher no we got who exactly we wanted he was he, he was coming off a tv series he was had the spelling look, you know, uh, by that, and um, and he was playing a role that a lot could be done, and mm. we didn't know there'd be limitations, you know, you, 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 because we would have only read this whether we were coming off a big hot pack for the summer episodes or it's just a show that fortunately got a, a pickup for season two, you know. We were going through a pretty just standard uh, casting process, hmm. and and 
he was good. He was, and I thought in some ways because him being just coming off the TV series that was was touted at ABC and wanting to be on our show, wanting to be there. You know how far we've come that someone like him would want to be there. You yes. know, it wasn't like we got. You know, yes, we cast Matthew Perry, but it was made for season one. But that was before Friends. Right. You know, try to get him after Friends. That's what I felt we had here with uh, Michael St. Gerard, and, and we didn't. So we're also going to start casting some parents, which is which is interesting because we meet Catherine Cannon as Felice Martin. Um, what do you remember about Catherine Cannon, uh, Diane? Catherine Cannon has been a good working actress before 90210 for a long, long time and well known in the industry. And she worked a lot and she she came in and she read for it, which I was quite pleased about. And I knew that she she could deliver. I mean, she really does. She she is yeah. Felice. I mean, like she and she also stayed there all the way to the very end of the series, too. So she's she made a home here at 90210, you know, and there are a lot of actors who are like that there. And we hired a lot of them. And like I've talked about before, I was fortunate to work with people who knew these actors, brought them in. So I learned who they were and made them references for myself. Some I think I had hired before, others I hadn't, but I knew them and I knew their work. So I was always glad when someone like Catherine Cannon would come in and just mm. do such a good job. How about Matthew Lawrence, Mel Silver? Yes. Um, Matthew came in and he read. I thought he did a good job in the reading. And there we are. And he, he was another working actor. He and his brother, his twin brother, I believe. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And he had had a lead in a series. So he's freely talked about, you know, he was not someone who, he was happier to be there and the longer he stayed. Mm -hmm. Longer he was part of the community and he just wasn't in and out. Um, and, but, but the longer he stayed until he got to that point of realizing, oh, I'm the, playing the adult on a kid, on a teenage show and I'm only as needed until that was accepted, did he, uh, once that was, then he started to have a much better time being part mm -hmm. of the ensemble, at least from my management perspective. Right. And that makes sense. Sometimes that happens because it's, uh, you don't know if you get to stay. Right, exactly. And you have some kind of a home. And to an actor, I think that to a certain degree, that's very important to them. A place to be where they know everybody and they get to know them and they get to know the producers, everybody involved on the production, and the producers get to know them as well. And I think that's really important too. And it gives them a sense of satisfaction and family. I think, I think Brian and Matthew have both said that they were on a show together prior to this, maybe the Circus of the Stars. And nice landing, I think. Well, I think they did the Circus of the Stars as, uh, as well. Oh, okay. And right, well, you would, would you even know that, Diane, at that time? You know what? I might have heard it because I do remember that show. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think I watched it a couple of times. But it was such a totally and completely different show. I mean, it's like off the wall, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it's like, oh, they did that. Okay. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think they were together in it. I think they were together in in in, in that. I think so. Yeah, I think that they both have told me that. All right, someone like Stephanie Beecham. Oh, Stephanie Beecham was really interesting. She, the the agent called with her name, and of course she's a spelling person, and I was like, really, okay. And so I make a call to Tony Shepard to see what he says, and he goes, oh, okay. So that's, that was the beginning of it. And I, she never, she never came in. She was just hired. Was it she, Chuck? Yes, she was. And, and uh, the agency <laughs> that uh, Diane's talking about are my friends, the Gersh's, who I went to high school with and just went to a Dodger game with the night that Pujols hit the home runs. I was with Bobby he mm. graciously invited me to go watch that game. And, um, but you know, I'd have to beg him, you know, please don't, because every time we needed her back, that was, became a Chuck call. Please don't, you know, we need her, but this is on top of the show. Please don't break it, Bob. Please don't make me go over it. Please don't. Break it. And of course, every time we'd have to break it, every time we used her, because she was in demand and we could not give her the kind of contract that would lock in a price because we weren't prepared to be having her in half the episodes. Just, isn't it like a seven out of 13? And die? she's so good as Iris McKay that she's her she she's needed. It's not an actor that you could just be like, and Dylan's of course the mo one of the most important characters on the show and his mom is really, a needs to be a specific person and she nails it. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry she never did the podcast. We had fun. Uh, Diane, she was in London doing theater, and I was there with my whole family. And it was a, it was like an old-fashioned kind of, of, you know, parlor show from you know fifty years ago British theater. And so we all went drag straight back to the dressing room with all of the kids. Oh, nice! We're all young. We're all school age at that point, and uh, and she was very nice to us. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's great. That's always a fun thing to do. Yeah, exactly. And you have your whole family with you. That's great. Oh, that, that a, that's a plus. And of <laughs> course, Joshua Ta Josh Taylor, who is, uh, you know, Dylan's going to be Dylan's dad. Um, do you remember bringing Josh Taylor in? He was season, we started him in season two? Yes. Okay. I think so, yeah. I know all right. that all the other stuff happens with him in, in season two the next season, right? Or is it the season? There, there was an actor before Josh named right. Arthur Brooks. Who season one, right. Yeah. But I have him in um, Summer Storm as well. That's He's right. on my That's list right. of Summer Storm. Yeah. And then when I was looking at my list before we started today, I'm, I'm going down it and I'm thinking, where is that? Because I saw... Like episode three or four. Something like, yes, that would, yes. But also I saw Josh's name and I went, oh, same season. I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was referring to. I thought, oh, that was pretty interesting. Well, it's interesting because he comes in and, you know, you do have this, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, Chuck, where it's like, you didn't know that anybody would ever pick up that there was a dad in season one and now we're actually going to cast the dad, right? So, um, but was it a big process to find who you wanted to play Dylan's dad, knowing where he was going to go? You're asking Diane this, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm asking you that question, I think. 
No, he was just, we, I needed someone. We needed to cast someone to be the part now because it was a real part. It wasn't just two lines, one scene. In those kind, or, or you know, we, we, we had Jenny's, uh, Kelly's dad at commencement. All it was was a, was a shot across the, 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 the uh, audience. Uh, you know, it was, those, it didn't matter to me. Once, you, once there was performance involved in multiple scenes, then, then you were in a different world. The only exception being, and we will get into it because we're talking adults, would be uh, uh, Andrea's grandma. Right. Rose. Yes, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. But, but for uh, Diane, you got on Welsh Family Christmas. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Dylan goes to visit him. So do, do you remember Josh coming in and all that, Diane? And, and... Oh, yeah, because I, I knew Josh as well. He was, uh, he was on... He was on a soap. That's right. Yeah. I think he's been on it for a long time. I think I he's still on Days, days of Our Lives? Yeah. Days, yeah. Is it Days of Our Lives? I think it is. Yeah. Um, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and he came in. I, you know, I talked to his agent and he came in. And I'm like, oh, isn't he still doing this? Oh, well, yeah. But, he, you know, it's all that we can work it out sentence that sometimes I believe and other times I'm skeptical because but I'm trying to remember the agent if I had brought him in oh whoa well was she always yes I think she, she implied to me that she was always then you know what with somebody like Ro who never ever did me wrong ever in my career I totally believed her and said great well then let's do it have him come in yeah, so that's what we did. Well, thank you for that specific casting because that stuff with Dylan and Josh Taylor or Luke and Josh is just incredible. I mean, it's it's it it gives that character Dylan McKay so much heart. Well, and it was different than my original conception of the character. You know, when I thought of the L.A. industrialists and new age industrialists, sure. investor guys, and this, you know, th there was one very famous person in Los Angeles at the time who then got himself and went to jail and then came out and, and uh, you know was a philanthropist so uh, it was one thing but it was it was more like michael milken who was yeah. local who was urban who was just, and and there was josh with that touch that touch of country in his voice yeah and 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 luke you know being southern ohio had you know a touch of country yeah and that was you know, a a, you know, to me, a touch of country meant you live south of Wilshire Boulevard. You know, it, 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 it didn't, didn't strike me as very Beverly Hills. So that was something I had to adjust to and realize, well, anybody could have, you know, buy your way into respectability, which is what uh, uh, Jack McKay was trying to do. And Dylan was just the fallout of that. Diane, is that what Chuck just talked about, the touch of country that both Dylan and, uh, or Luke and Josh have, is that something that you observed as well? And do you, when you're pairing, it's interesting because these characters are super fame, popular now, right, in this second season. So pairing a parent to them has got to, there's a certain thing that has to happen here, right? Like they have to kind of fit the mold of what would Dylan's dad be, right? True. Yes, absolutely. Um but I'm trying to remember if that was something that I really was looking at. And I think I'm going to say 30 some odd years later, it wasn't. Okay. Um, 
Oh, it wasn't. It just was coincidence. It it's almost happened. after the fact yes. kind of it, connector. Exactly. It's a lucky coincidence. And you, what I do think about is, well, this could, could this be father and child, that type of thing. Um, and I try to get that the best I can. But then you have someone different who comes in, similar but different, like, jo like Josh, who has an aspect that it's like, oh, okay, this could work. Mm. And this, you know, and you take, you take chances sometimes. And because he's not on the nose casting. Like okay, is. let's go back to Felice though, uh, with 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 Catherine Cannon, because you know this is going to be Donna Martin's uh, mother, right. so there has to be a certain degree of like what that is. I mean, did you think about that at, at all? And was there anything that was making you think about Candy in particular? No, not at all, not at all. I just thought, oh, Catherine would be a good is a good actress. She'd be terrific in the job. None of that. The, the, mm -hmm. she, we needed a conservative for the um, condom episode. And I needed someone who was in, who I could believe would be smart and intellectually conservative and involved in school politics and the old money Beverly Hills. So there was a woman named Betty who I grew up with, uh, who's a doctor's wife, who was kind of aunt, used to call Aunt Betty. And, and Felice was basically patterned at, and, and was very conservative. And was patterned hmm. after her well, that's so that was the first and then the, then a moment heartbeat later this woman who i only saw as a in that political sphere of the condom is all of a sudden going to be having an affair with uh on a rainy day right at, at the hotel uh, you know and, and that was not something that uh diane and i ever talked to when we cast police but because the actress Catherine had uh, a kind of, you know, was 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 attractive and middle aged, that you could say, well, she could play this kind of character too in the outgrowth, and 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 that character probably the mother having an affair was was closer to stuff that what that she was getting cast on rather than playing a uh, a woman who was a smart doctrinaire conservative because. Just weren't that many uh, opportunities for that kind of character on sure. television because, but you know, he was writing that kind of stuff. Uh, I was going to bring up Christine Belford, who is Steve's mom. She's the same way, same way as Catherine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Knew her work and a really good actress as well. And when they're available, when someone like that is available and would work in the part, you bring that person in. And she was so wonderful. There's one scene, Diane, when, when Steve's getting himself in trouble and she goes, no, no, we're gonna settle this. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's the character that's based on Mary Tyler Moore, who would immediately, <laughs> and I don't know a thing about Mary Tyler Moore. All I know is the woman had incredible clout and knew it and could get things that she wanted. That's exactly how, Christina had that extra degree of power. So here's here's an actress who has that extra degree of power. And yeah. Christine, in, in the Catherine sense, was a degree of, se of sensuality, sexuality. So, you know, you you, you want an actress, you know, an, an, or an actor at any time to, to hopefully have be more than a one-trick pony. Sure. And I think when you find an actor who's a one-trick pony, like 
Michael St. Gerard, you, you're done. You, you're not getting, and, and the man is, was clearly knew that about himself because he didn't go on to be an actor for 30 years. Right. Correct. But these people did because they, they were committed to and had a lot to offer. Yeah. And we, and, and we never asked James Dickens to play another kind of character, but if we did, he could have, he had it. In totally. So. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the another big, big part that's coming for this season is Christina Lee as Emily Valentine. What yes. do you remember about casting Christina Lee? Who I you just absolutely love. And she said hello. She would love to be here, but she's doing a lot of press for for Chucky. And uh, I, I also, by the way, I, I, when I was in Portland, I, I got to see a documentary about Chucky and the daughter and how they made the the doll and the daughter the daughter made it of the people that made Chucky and. And uh, Christine is in it, and she was phenomenal in that documentary as well. So she's really in that that universe and does a lot with that. But oh, back in the nine hundred two one, but she brought up nine hundred two one zero in that documentary as as she as, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh! Well, there is a Chucky Lane in Moses Lake. Is there? <laughs> yes, not far from where I'm going to be living. Named <laughs> <laughs> after the character, or just coincidental. <laughs> I think it's coincidental, but I'm going, I did not know until I went over to the house, which is about two blocks away on a different street name. I thought, I'm going to have to find out about that because every time I turn on that street, as I did yesterday, I think, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> Chucky who, yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, I remember the day that Christina Lee came in and read for me as a pre-read because, because of double ups, what we had to do was start seeing as many actors as we could humanly possible. And that was a day where I think I had the most actors come in in all the times that we were doing double ups. And we just uh, went one right after the other, just seeing people and they, they either did it or they didn't. And I remember, I remember Christina Lee being out in the waiting room. She was wearing her overalls and she came in and read. And I'm thinking, oh, I really like her. I like her. I wonder if everybody else will as well. She's a nice actress. She's a sweet girl. And I thought, okay, she's coming in. Put that circle around that name and CB, call back. And she came in. The other um, gal in the room that day was Ashley Judd one of the other gals. And she was reading for Emily Valentine? Yes, she was. Yeah, her agent had called me and said, she's brand new, you know, you you seem to have an eye, so just let us know if you think there's any potential there. But I mean, there is- and So do you remember what you thought? I, I do, I, I liked her, but I said she was really, really raw. But she and she should probably go to classes, and that's what God. the agent took, took to My get them to the bank. <laughs> but because you never know. Maybe the maybe she did. Maybe that's what happened. You know, maybe that's what 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 had happened. Well, I, I deal. I dealt with her agent all the time, for personally, and it it's that's what happened. And she she just the reason I I don't believe I brought her to the producers because I believe she was so raw that it wouldn't have happened. You know, so and I you can always say, oh, I should have brought her in because, oh, she's actually Judd. Yeah, but how did you know one knew? And listen, there's no way that, I mean, you think about Emily Valentine, of course, we know that 
Christina Lee's yeah. is Emily Valentine. So it's, we, yes. we're, we believe that that's who it is, but there's nobody else I think that could have been that no. sort Christina of badass kind of blonde everybody's into, right? Christina Lee's owned that. Absolutely. And I remember her coming into my office and it was just like, oh, look at her. And then she, when she read, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. She's got that like sweetness to her, right? Yes, you know, she had that. Yes. Yeah. But also like, I want to know more about this person. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just saw her as somebody with the two-toned hair. Yeah. And the little, and the hat she was wearing. She was different than the other Absolutely. young women on our TV show. <laughs> and that and she you, looked you, different and i needed somebody to be different and someone who i honestly could oh i was thinking would it would you know someone who would be making out with brandon one night and and dylan the next or vice versa whatever it would be that was we weren't going beyond that in terms of what we were going to do with her yet and we certainly didn't know that there was going to be crazy uh emily valentine Right. Oh, you didn't know that at that point. No. Yeah. I don't, I Chuck, don't there's something that. about you and the hats because Kathleen Robertson has told me that she feels that she got her role because of the the hat that she wore into the audition. So you guys have a thing for those leather hats. And Kathleen told me she just grabbed it and put it on. She was like a second, like a just a random thought, like I'm gonna take this in. The hat fetish gets exposed, I guess. <laughs> it, 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 it's amazing I'm not I'm not sweating looking at you in a hat. <laughs> or beanie, whatever we want. <laughs> what does that say on it, the beanie? Uh, it's just, but, I don't know, the company name, CC, yeah. It's very distinctive. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so, okay, so Christina you know Lee. What about hats? Can I just bring yeah. this up? Because I was thinking about this. Not yeah. a lot of people in Los Angeles wear hats. That's true. Yes. And yeah. maybe that was distinctive because it's so rare. Yeah. Depending on the time of year, you know, they may when it was storming or something like that. But I mean, Christina Lease has also in the documentary I was referring to, she talked about how she wore that same hat in Chucky. So that that hat has become sort of iconic Christina Lee's too in a way because she wore it on 90210 and she's wore it in in Chucky from what I understand. Uh, yeah. Um all right. So Lu Lucy Lucy Lou. Oh. Yeah. While we're talking of people about people that went on to big things and yes, she did. She, yeah, she was in pass not pass. I had her in and I think it was just a couple of lines. Yeah. And I had to write her Taft Hartley to get into the union. And I thought, well, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I like this girl. <laughs> yeah, I think she just did. She was like, she worked at the Peach Pit like for <laughs> a minute. Pit. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, why not? She'd be terrific. Yeah. And she got the job and I was very happy. And I was too um, absorbed in what we were doing and that we needed Christine Lee to not look at this very interesting, smart uh, Asian actress and figure, well, what can I do with that working at the Peach Pit? and having Brandon have a rival at the Peach Pit. We just didn't go there for an episode, but there were episodes to be mined there. And that's, uh, uh, that's a fan fiction. Uh, that could, that oh, totally, what happened to that character. Time. Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, we're, and I'll play this clip now. Hey guys, hold Hi, on. Hi, David. Hey, David. 
There he is, David hey. Lasher. It's always Hello. good seeing you, man. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much. Nice to see you. You too. That, it's been a minute since you, you two have seen each other, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think so. Now, because Diane has told us on, on some of the other podcasts that she has uh, another seasons that we looked at, that she knew all the almost all the actors that she brought in from somewhere else. I'm assuming you two guys had a prior relationship too, prior to 90210. I was trying to remember that, David, and can you refresh my memory? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, I, because I love you as an actor and I remember you coming in, but yeah, I think I think the game was a little rigged in my favor. Uh I had done um, I had done a series for Aaron called Jack of Hearts in Las Vegas. Uh, did you cast me in that? I did not. I did not. No, David. I I'm not. I'm not. Uh, me too. My fault lines are getting a little uh, crossed these days. But um, I think that you and I that you came to nine hundred two and zero prior to Hearts Are Wild or whatever they called it. My, my friend uh, Chris Brancato was that about the, the 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 casino owner, right? In yeah, yeah. Eric Roth was the uh, creator of the show, um, and I lived at Caesar's Palace for six weeks when I was eighteen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, no, but then afterwards, Aaron hooked me up with a girl named Carla Singer, and we I did a movie of the week for her. Oh, I know Carla. And I then know, I do too. And then I went to read for 90210. And I think uh it was yeah, I mean, Diane gave her thumbs up and we were going. Well, okay, right. so you did no Dave, David did a Roseanne. We've talked about this, right? You did a Roseanne, you did um Life Goes On and yeah. Hearts Are hearts are wild which was before that hey dude of course too hey dude was <laughs> right. i watched hey dude with my daughter and yes i loved hey dude i wanted to get a horse you know <laughs> <laughs> well diane what do you remember about david coming in that he's really cute he was a good actor he read well and it was a very very good day it was an excellent day because we found him. So, and it was a very, and it was a very as, as as we talked about with David when when the first time that he came on talked with Pete, it was a very um, important role. On the one hand, especially in light of all of the kind of social backlash that we're living right now in the the twenty twenties, the network did not their response to anything gay was that gay is a turnoff. You leave it alone. You don't do stories about it. And it really irked. Uh, I mean, obviously, my partner on this show and the creator of this show, the uh, very talented Darren Starr, um, was at that point a closeted young gay man. And uh, it was not what you would want to hear. And But we wanted to talk about the idea of what kind of what you what, what a guy who Maybe gay, maybe not, but at least, or maybe bisexual, or maybe a they in the world we live in today. Um, 
you know, questioning their sexuality. And, you know, given how actors can be typed for anything they do, that, that David obviously looked at this part and said, a guy who's very confident in himself, and that's what always projects, and confident in his talent and confident in the, the person he is, looked at it and went, I'll do this show. Why not? And and we were on the rise then, too, as a show. You, you came on our summer episodes right as we were just getting light hot uh, as, as a series. But nonetheless, um, what I remember not only is the great performance, and it, which it was, and the real uh, chemistry that you had with Jenny Garth, uh, but at the same time that you came in at all. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even, uh, I never thought of it as dangerous, you know, or um, even controversial. It was so honestly written, you know. Uh, I think he says to Kelly that he wasn't sure, right? And that's and it. that's why he, he, he chose the most beautiful girl on the beach um, to kind of test himself. But I, I mean, it was so honest and real that uh, I never thought of it as uh, I would be typecast or anything. Do you remember auditioning? And I know we've talked a little bit about that before, but do, what's your memories of it? Um, yeah, I remember being at the offices and I think maybe, you know, Aaron had, when we were in Las Vegas, he said, I really think you should meet my daughter. I think you guys would really hit it off, something like that. And so that's Tori, the man I knew. That's the air spelling I knew. Yeah, nice Jewish boy here uh, for his daughter. But I, you know, she was very gracious. I remember, and I think she was excited uh, and maybe told me I got the part uh, on the day. But um, also, Luke was a good friend of mine, um, and. Uh, I remember him being so excited uh, that I was going to be on the show. And it just felt like, a, you know, between Aaron and Tori and, and Luke, um, just a really great group of uh, people that were rooting for you, you know? And well, Diane it, as well. I was going to say, is it intimidating to audition for a show like that? Or because of all those connections, you felt the confidence of, I, I'm going to probably get this part? Or do you never feel that way? <laughs> I, you know, I never feel that way, but I think because I had really felt uh, proud of the work I did on Jack of Hearts, um, I felt like I had a good push going in there. But, you know, you got to do the work and you got to break down the scene. And, you know, Diane knows, uh, you know, you, you got to do it in the room. Exactly. Exactly. Bring your best game into the room. Yeah. Um, yeah, or else nothing, none of that other stuff matters, right? Exactly, right. It doesn't. It's who you are in front of the people who have can say yes to you being hired, yes or no. And it's critical. I mean, I've seen people walk into a producer reading and fall apart. And they had been really, really great for me. And unfortunately, they lose the role for that. And it happens a lot of times, but... You know what? I'm very, very grateful to an actor who walks in and just does it. 
and does exactly what they're supposed to do and you know leaves your room and it's like yay mm. you know, you're watching someone read and you go it's going on in the back of my head as i'm reading with them oh this is working this is really nice this is really nice i mean it's, it's so nice to have casting rooting for you too you know absolutely absolutely it's um i tried not to make anything like that ever obvious but yes there were people that i was pulling for i now admit all these years later <laughs> And I bet most of them we cast, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, except for a few, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, I, I had a question for for you, David, and and um and and Diane to weigh in, even though like you know Diane and I are both gone. We're really not in this business anymore. But you you are right. You're 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 in there. You're you're, you're doing it. You have this really great. And I think you have a great presence on on a, a a little silly Zoom like this too. You are who you are, and you are who you are when you walk in a room. But that personal touch has uh, the powers that be who are in charge of business now have taken that out of it by making all casting on tape. And you know, is the, the challenges of that that that's something that would seem like would have been a real. And I saw in my own eyes because uh, even though many years ago I definitely remember it. You know, the, the, the person, even if you were walking in that room with the confidence that the spelling team was all behind you, which I didn't know, but I didn't have to know. Uh, but the fact is, is that that personal quality seems to have vanished from the casting process. Am I am I right in saying that, concluding that? Yeah, I was actually just saying the other day, and, and, and I only started acting like a few weeks ago. Um, and oh, really? Took a big break? Yeah, I've been writing and directing. And, and Peter, you know, when you told me to reach out to Amy Sugarman. Yeah, how did that go? <laughs> I mean, we, we sold a weekly podcast. We're, we're launching December 9th. It's Amazing. Yeah. yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, of course. Mm -hmm. um, is, Pete your, is Pete your host? Oh, Pete will be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. No, Great. it's Christine Taylor and I. Amy wanted Christine, uh, who was my first co-star in um, the Nickelodeon show, Hey Dude, uh, and ha has a, a nice body of work in the 90s to, to look back on the decade. But so I, so I read for my first thing like two weeks ago, and my buddy told me, go to this place called the Close Up Crew or something in Burbank that, you know, for $30, they, they light you, they they upload it and, and have someone read with you. And I thought how great that I'm in control of this audition, right? Like I can, I can do 10 takes if I want. And um, it was oh. for Lauren Michaels show, the other two, and uh, I got it. And I, I just got back from New York shooting it. Great. Well, I, I that's a very interesting thing that it, it, it and one that interesting, your perspective that an actor can take control yeah. from this new reality of, of, of casting. And, and so many I've spoken to, I, you know, talk about the kind of like the, the impersonality and the victimization and this, and here you are, I take control. I get to do multiple takes and guess what? I get cast. So congratulations. What's the show? The other two it's called. The other two. Yeah. With Molly Shannon, really funny show. And it was a great first one back for me. Excellent. I, I, 
go back November 3rd to shoot a little more, but um, yeah, it was nice that I could, uh, I could control what I was submitting. I literally watched uh, the playback before I said, okay, you know, when do you, that is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think on it, Diane, about how casting has changed? And I know that you're a little bit removed from it. I am. I'm pretty removed from it. Occasionally, I'll go in and read something about it. And I have, especially, I paid a, attention during COVID because I was so curious, you know, as to if anything was going on, but I guess it wasn't for the most part. But just after it, how things were handled, because I, I so enjoyed the personalization of it all, you know, the face-to-face, -face, and you can get so much you get a lot from a person face to face. And even though we, we saw a lot of tapes over the years of people, and I did a lot of the taping in New York or wherever I went, when you look at a tape, it was not as David is now describing. It was, it was cold and you saw the person and you don't know who was doing the taping for the most part, if you weren't there, if I was there, I, you know, I felt a little bit better about it and you could have changes made um but i don't know that this is something i, I just don't know mm. it's so foreign to me i think it's great how david is in control of it but i don't know how many actors are able to do that or interested in doing that do you know what i mean mm -hmm. um, it's just a question i have yeah yeah, I mean, FaceTime with the producers uh, is, is, you know, there's nothing that can replace that. But um, right. uh, I feel like uh, actors are able, at least now, to control and put forward their best scene work. Which uh, is great. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And there's probably a little, many more tapes they're going through than back in the day. But um, sure. Well, you know it's interesting. The the character you played. I just one one story to share. I think I did it on the podcast, but I I, I want to get Diane to laugh. I always like making <laughs> Diane laugh, so I think this one will get her. And and really, it was it actually it was with the character that you that you you played, and um, uh, and 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 something happened as a result of it that that really benefited the 90210 experience for the next five years, which was this. The, in the scene that you're in, and Kelly, you're flirting on the beach, and she really is, is, is hot to trot, and she's in the water uh, uh, waiting for you, and the notion being, the implication is, is that she's skinny dipping. That, that because we had a shot, you look down, you see your bathing suit, and then you look up at her, and she's in the water waving, and there's you. And the network executive at the time, who was a first-time network executive on our show, and this was the summer episodes, and we were banging heads. I, I, I know how to bang. And, and, um, and, and the note that came in, I don't know if you remember this, Pete, the note he came in that says, have David do a... Uh, have Kelly do an uh, an ADR line yelling to David, take out the shot of the bathing suit, and then do the line yelling, don't worry, I have my bathing suit on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And I t- and actually put that in the even notes. <laughs> so I actually called Sandy Grushow and said, "This is the best guy you got." Oh, Dan McDermott, I think is who I called. Now the head of um, uh, the uh, AMC network, and said, "This is the best guy you can put on our show, current executive." Are you kidding me? And that guy got um, replaced or removed that day. <laughs> and in his in his stead came Jonathan Littman, uh, who ended up being Bruckheimer's partner. And yes. uh, even though the Bruckheimer company never found, uh, a, a, my, well, only found one job for me over, over all the years, um, Littman was effectively my partner, my network partner making the show. And I had a really good partner starting from this point to the end of my five years. Uh, so if it wasn't for the, your um, your confusion, your, your identity confusion at that moment, and they're so concerned about making clear that, try, I don't know what they were trying to make clear relative to sexuality, but they didn't want any. And- uh, Well, and that, that she wasn't naked. <laughs> that she wasn't naked, that's it, God forbid, you know. This is great. <laughs> I, right, Charles, guys. I think you guys won an award for that episode, and you sent it to me. Some, okay. I don't know if it was Glad or some some organization awarded you uh, for that writing. I I got a, I we got a, a lot of them, you know. I think thank you for reminding me. I I think we did on that one. We uh, I, I've got a couple. I'm looking at my People's Choice Award, and we won a, a lot of awards for um, Isn't It Romantic, and for we did one on condoms that. There was a group called the Susan B. something a group that gave us a bunch of awards. It had been very meaningful, you know. We as we weren't going to get any Emmys, so we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, you forwarded it to me and thanked me for the work. I remember that was really gracious, and um, I'll say when uh, shortly after uh, the episodes, um, I read for Blossom. And uh, it was a foregone conclusion. You know, Mayim was so head over heels over those summer episodes that, I, I mean, I remember reading for Don Rio and, and, and uh, Paul Witt and those guys. And uh, I knew as, as soon as I walked out the door that I had a fan in Mayim and that the 90210 episodes had surely got me, um, you know, what, what turned out to be three seasons on Blossom. Fabulous. Yes. Well, glad I could help. And uh, and if you yes. ever run into Mayim, don't tell her I like Ken Jennings better. But <laughs> okay, I will. I'm so glad to hear that story. That just makes my heart warm. It really does. It's I love that. I'm so happy, David, that you said that. Yeah. Very much so. Well, this has been great, guys. David, it's always good to see you. Good, good luck and congrats on the new podcast, man. I think that's going to be awesome. Absolutely. You guys and Peter, thank you for uh, you know yeah. along the way, and it's so nice to see you guys. Nice. David Lasher, because we did get to talk mm-hmm. to to David. So, um, what was your thoughts on David? I like David. I like David as an actor, and I remember when he when we were talking to him a few weeks ago, and he and I was trying to remember more specifically, and I I had a memory labs and and how he had he had the connection to spelling and it's interesting because when you bring somebody in and at spelling i would always call tony after a session i say this is who we saw and this is who we who i liked and 
um, who I want to bring to the producers and or who the producers liked if it was directed producers. Oh yeah, we know them. You know, they're they've done spelling. So they're they're part of the spelling family. And mm. that in thinking, thinking of that since talking to David that day, that's what I thought happened was that I had met him, brought him in to the producers and Tony had said, Oh yeah, okay, we like him. He's part of he's one of us. So that's cool. That's well it's great that that he was like that, you know, yeah. that <laughs> Yeah. Was that. All right, let's get into the Lainey Kazan. <laughs> let's do it. Like Lainey Kazan is going to be Andrea's grandmother. She's fin- I think she's great in it. I think she's a f- fantastic actor. What was La- getting Lainey Kazan to do 90210 like for you all? It was it was relatively easy um, <laughs> because her agent said, "Oh, what about Lainey Kazan?" And I'm going, "Okay, that sounds good." Um, would she do this really? And it, the answer was yes of course it'd be terrific for her to do and it didn't work out why, why didn't it work out chuck you met laney kazan no. <laughs> <laughs> um laney kazan is a uh was really a a night was started as a nightclub singer with a really smoky voice and she was a little zoftic, but that was very appealing. She knew that. And she was very kind of early, mid-60s sensibility. Uh, you could see her like opening a show for Sinatra in Vegas kind of thing. That, and and um, I had no idea that she was a married with children and my father was her, was her pediatrician. I found that after wow. we had cast her. Um, but... Uh, you know, it was that magic uh, connection that you, you were part of the quote-unquote uh, spelling family. You know, she had done the love boat or she had done something for the spelling company. So, you know, once you've done something for the spelling company, it's like kind of a lifetime bond uh, for actors, not for writers. I'm living for that, but for uh, actors, for certain it was. And, um, and so Paul did not want her at all. And he said for two reasons, both of which became true. First one is, is that if we cast her, it's going to be all about her. Mm-hmm. Everything's just going to be about her and, and, and this and this and her schedules and her makeup and this. <laughs> and we're dealing with the star world. And he was, I didn't know much about it. And uh, he was right about that. And then the second one was that when you want her in the future, she won't be available. And there won't be anything you can do about it. And that's when I decided, screw it, we're going to recast, get someone who can be available. And I think that was like two, even three years down later. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't immediate. And and Lainey always was um, un- unhappy that, that we did that. The other one who was the most unhappy, though, you're going to have to help me here and look this up, Pete, of course. Uh, oh, no, I got the name. Doris Roberts. Horace oh. Roberts, who was a friend of Paul Wagner's, really wanted to play grandma. And she wanted to play the Yiddish grandma, even though Doris Roberts looked like someone who, you know, was there in, from the, the, the Presbyterian Bay Club. She was, you know, uh, a Jewish background and, and knew all these words and wanted to be that. And, and, uh, and I 
had a television movie produced, my, my first one, and Doris Roberts played, was in that, played one of the adult roles. And when I reminded her that she was in my TV movie, man, she was just, I was in your TV movie and you didn't cast me? <laughs> Actress. I was, you know, yes, just tried to lay it on. Yeah. And 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 I'm friends with Paul and, and, and Paul didn't cast me. <laughs> And you know, and and this is all I ever wanted to do, and um, uh, and then I think I saw her one time when she was in her height of her rope her everybody loves Raymond's success. It was like, Doris, hi, it's Chuck Rosen, friend of Paul Wagner's from nine hundred two and oh yes, yes, hi, nice to see you, goodbye. You know, but it's yes. uh, you know the great thing about actors, the ones that really work well, is that they live in the moment. They live right. in the minute. There's very few. Like Brian Cranston, who whenever my wife and I run into, she used to do improv with him. And she and I went to a movie. Uh, we went to see Memento with him in Toronto. And we see him, saw him backstage when he did All the Way on Broadway. And he's just always, oh, yeah, Toronto. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's few and far between. Yeah. You know, most... What did you do right at that moment? What do I remember? Did it did it really manage? So that there's my that's the story on Lainey, Doris Roberts, and of course the nice woman who we cast is not someone who I even remember her name. The one who, who no offense to her, no, yeah. and she was really good in the role for sure. But Diane, is that something with Lainey Kazan? Do you, like after she's cast, do you deal with the fallout of this is all about her and some of the stuff that Chuck is talking about? Is that something that comes to you anymore, or are you just like, well, that's now it's gone? You move on. Paul's <laughs> problems. Paul Wagner's problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly though, in casting the grandmother again, you would be involved in the process of saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not to. So I brought in some people who were completely different, a little bit older, and maybe more grandmotherly like. Mm. It's Beth, and she it's was Beth. yeah, Beth. Right. But she was she worked a lot on stage, and she I had um, a old friend, an actor named Mac, by the name of Kenneth McMillan, and he and his wife were very good friends of mine, and I got to meet all of their actor friends, which mm. is a treasure trove. And she was one of, that's how I, she was one of their friends. And that's how I met her. And Beth or, Beth or, Lan, or Lonnie? Lanny. Beth. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kenneth McMillan is really, it was a terrific actor. Yeah. And uh, just hearing his name brings, oh, that man, yes. Smile to <laughs> my, my memory bank. Oh yeah. He's, uh, the, when he passed away so early, it was just a total loss for the acting community. And, um, we all miss him to this day. Mm. And, but to have been able to delve into that friendship, you know, people at parties and, you know, dinners, dinners and things like that. And you find someone like that and actually, um, Tony Stark, who was on ha the Halloween episode? He That's was right. from that community that I knew. So I know, and th it's just beautiful, wonderful actors. Tony Stark was the actor that that was the cowboy that tries to. Yes. 
I don't know if I want to say rape, but is aggressive with with Kelly, right? Yes. Yeah. He's yes. he's lovely. He's been on our podcast. He's oh, he's, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a nice guy. Yeah. I think I know knowing where the time is at, I think we need to talk a little bit about Grant's show, Pete. Well, and also Vivica Fox. There's Vivica Fox. I oh, want to ask right. you and all yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So let's have let, let's go there. Let's go Vivica Fox. Again, she came in and she read and she was great. And I thought, I, I like this girl. You know, you bring her in. She yeah. was good. did a good job. Also, Richard Roundtree is in that storyline. Richard Roundtree with Tina Lifford. Lifford and Eugene Bird. Yeah. And Eugene Bird was the was the engine on it we wanted to get a young black guy we you know eugene was living and eugene's been on our podcast too diane and eugene um that was a you know grown man wonderful you know working actor talent um but he uh at the time was living in philadelphia and it would have meant his family would have been uprooted to come for how much and how much and there just were too many variables right at that moment and so once we didn't have eugene on a weekly basis there was no way i could go get back and get to the rest of the family because it was a uh, one of the lowest rated episodes of season mm. two oh, and it yeah. was one that i we were kind of touting is you know let's have a black walsh family that's that that'll that'll get sag off our back Right. And and yeah. we'll have this great family. And what a cast that uh Diane put together. I know you've told me Angela Bassett actually came in for it, right? Yeah, she came in and read for it. Yeah. And she would have been great. But so was Tina Lippert, quite frankly, and a really nice actor too. Absolutely. And the this is how casting memories are made. Right. And you know, there it's all stepping stones for where Richard Roundtree happens to be a really good friend of Billy Vera. Oh. And so I've actually um communicated with Richard on via Facebook and stuff and you know makes me feel uh very very uh with the in crowd on that one because he Why isn't it Billy Barrett yeah, for God's sake well, let me ask you about Billy Vera too because we he was in this season as well and that's your friend Billy Vera of course Duke from uh plays Duke the bookie in this but so was Duke that came in no he was season three he's the next season yeah season okay all right well but let's while we have so, we're Let's hold on him. Okay, sure. Him. Okay. All right. Um, let's go to you said somebody, Chuck. Who did you want me to bring up? I forget who you just said. Grant but, show. Grant show. Yeah, let's talk about Grant Show. Well, because the Grant Show had a great impact on what we did, Diane. And because here's Grant Show. Um, you know, Darren has decided and Mr. Spelling have decided that they're gonna put their eggs into a Melrose Place basket. And the best way to launch Melrose Place would be to um Use 90210. And one of the characters that they wanted to have was kind of like the guy who taught Dylan how to be Dylan. Uh, yes. So okay. there's, you know, the very, very handsome Grand Show. Yes. A very nice man at the time. I haven't seen him in 25 years, but have nothing but really nice thoughts about him and how gracious he was and, and, and a good actor and had all the requirements that we needed to make this kind of transition. Mm -hmm. um, but what it did is it, it got Luke looking at they're having a character who's very much like me, who's even and, and Luke was, you know, pretty self-analytical. Luke had all knew all the great traits he had, but you know, this guy's got a really nice face and a nice bod and the whole thing, and he surfs and he's on a motorcycle. And Dylan and 
who came to me when we finished the season and said, we were just a prop for their wedding. <clears throat> They're going to try to eclipse us in every single way. We need to shake up the series. I want to work with the board. We need to shake up the series. The series has to be different. Can't go back to where we've been or we will be swallowed up by Melrose. Melrose is going to have all the heat, not us. And I didn't think about stuff like that enough to realize that this man knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And uh, and I followed Luke down that path. And, and that's how the whole very, triangle came about. And very happy that I did. Yeah, I think that so, was obviously a smart... Even though on our, when we started with the podcast here, Diane, we lost a lot of um, viewers <laughs> and fans because, you know, Charles liked uh, Teen Kelly. Wow. <laughs> So that was a, that was a sin. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just they it's it's real life to them. You know, these are people they went to school with. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Um. But what do you remember about Grant's show? You know what? He did not come through me. I got a call from Tony Shepard saying oh. he's you know bring him into this audition. He's has nothing to do with nine hundred two one zero. Bring him in. So, but in terms of Melrose Place, did that affect your life at all? It would have if I had been approved to um, cast the show, but I was not approved to cast the show, which I am very grateful that that happened. Um, oh, this is news to Charlie. So they wanted you to do both shows? Yes, they did. And Bob Harbin said no. And he was very, very correct in doing that. Yeah. You knew it would be too much pressure on you. you too much pressure. And it's the same, it's, you know, the shows are so similar. You know, and I'd have to, you have to, you have to adjust everything when you're a single casting director and to do, start doing multiple shows and yeah. I might've had to have brought somebody else in. And I just, I liked the way I worked and it was, it was the best for, for me. And I think for the casting department and sure. it was handling the double ups was as much as I wanted to do. <laughs> well, you don't need double ups and this other show. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens to be Melrose Place. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but were you down. ever were you ever contacted about we're looking for someone for this particular thing? And did the casting ever contact you about? Do you have anybody that you used on Nano to another that we can use here or anything like that? No, no. The cast, I Mary Buck and Susie Edelman did the casting the original casting on Melrose Place to my memory. And, and they're, they're both they're terrific. Yeah. yeah, we're very, very, everybody's a fan of theirs. They were yes, very exactly. nice. Exactly. I knew Susie because of her husband, uh, the director. She, I mean, there's so many more people to talk about on season two, um, but we are in a time, Chuck, do you have to go or? Well, doesn't, and we, don't we have Mr. Mr. Uh, my uh, partner in crime standing by. He is standing by, but he's cool. He said, "If we need to keep going, it's well." Fine. Who who else is? Well, Titus, Titus, uh, Titus Welliver, who went on to become a, went on to some pretty yeah, big things. Nice career, Titus. Do you remember Bosch. Titus? Bosch. He's Bosch. What was that? He plays Bosch on uh, on the Amazon uh, TV show. Titus, he was an L.A. detective character. He was very good at it. Do you he was in the Good on? Wife. He was in the Good Wife too. He had a big part in the Good Wife. I remember him on that. 
remember him on that. He, I just loved his face. Mm -hmm. I think that he has, he's a good act, good, wonderful actor, but I loved his face. And I thought, you know, that we need a face like this. Peter crazy. Mark Jacobson, who we've interviewed, Chuck. Do you remember Peter Mark Jacobson? I do, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I thought you said Chuck. No, I said so, we've interviewed him before, yeah. We interviewed okay. him, yeah. Sorry, sorry for this. He's fun. No, he's, he's a, you know, an actor who'd been around, and you know him, so you bring him in. When, when a name is brought up to you and you say, oh, he'll come in, he'll come do this, yeah, bring him in. Okay, great, here he is. I think that probably was the biggest surprise. I haven't considered that coming in now they're willing to do this show because we, we didn't have that in season one we had she knew these people these people do me a favor i need somebody now it was the opposite they were coming to us yes yes Word it, was it, it's like um it's like that moment that uh, glenn Cam campbell sings about in rhinestone <laughs> cowboy and he's talking about all the fantasies and the last line he has an offer is coming over the phone Yes, the song lyric, and that's that's what you want. That's you know, I I'd have that from my agent. They want you to do this. Can you start this day? That's what you wanted to hear. That's still what you want to hear. Absolutely. You know? And even if you don't say yes, it means somebody wanted you to say yes, which is even more important than you saying yes. Right. That someone wanted you to say yes. Go ahead, Diane. You were going to say. No, I with Peter. Someone like Peter Mark Richmond. Peter Mark Jacobson, I'm so sorry. Because um, we did hire Peter Mark Richmond, I believe. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did. I had yeah. a thing. You're worried about my hat fetish. What about my Peter Mark fetish? Peter Mark. <laughs> there was a Peter Mark. I was going to hire them. Right. Um, you know? you, he's, you know, I know, I knew his work. He doesn't have to come in and read for me. You know, bring him right to the producers. So that that's one. So you just, oh, oh, that's okay. yeah. Because he's he's good enough actor, you do right. that. Right, and I never kept tabs on who Diane was pre-reading or didn't, so it didn't either. All that mattered was who's coming forward to us. Yes. And how much time she spent with them or didn't spend with them, and it wouldn't have been my business really. Mm. Uh, Jenny O'Hara. Oh, love her. She she is from the Christina Belford, Catherine Cannon. Um, group because as I've talked about before I was lucky enough to work on with casting directors as my bosses early on and they worked on great television and those were women who came in and they were I always remembered them because they were they were great to me who was an assistant at the time and over the years, when I was starting to cast, they would come in for the shows that I did. And they came in, they did a great job on the reading, they got hired, they did the job and were wonderful. And she's, Jenny is definitely one of them. Mm. She was just absolutely wonderfully cast and just- Absolutely great. And Willie was in close to Karen. She did great in that show. Came a big rep, very close to Gabrielle because uh, mm. uh, Jenny, went on the board of uh, of SAG when Gabby was president of it. So. It would be good to have her on here. We have to have her back. I don't know that we ever did. I mean, just in the super show once. We need to... Yeah, in the super show. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Curry. 
Gordon Curry. He was a friend of Jason's and also an actor. And when did I meet him? I, I knew him before I knew he was a friend of Jason's. And then I saw him in back in the dressing rooms and he's like, oh, look at you. I know you're here. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And he was, he's a terrific actor. And I was really, really happy to bring yeah. him. Is, that the, is this the actor who played Jason's cousin? Yes, Brandon's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we've never done that. Uh, we have to. That's yes. one we have to do. That's yeah. an interesting show. That was uh, all Darren and Mr. Spelling. And it's one that I think Mr. Spelling actually has some, a lot of dialogue in that episode. Mm. Really part of it, too. So it's interesting Ga show. Gabrielle Anwar. Yeah, Gabrielle Anwar. I yeah. remember her because she had done a big movie. She did the um, the one with Al Pacino. The, um, Scent of a Woman, is that what you're talking about? Or yeah. Scent of a Woman. And she danced yeah, the tango the with a blind Al Pacino. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was, and again, I got a call. Can she come in? Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and she, and because also she had the talent of knowing how to skate. Yes, exactly. And, and we needed skaters. Yes. This, this was an important, we haven't done this episode either. This was no. one to Paul, uh, written by his uh, late partner. Mm. Carl, we yeah. have to cover that. Um, Liz, Liz Vassy. Liz Vassy. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking that I, I just met her. She, she came in, you know, can I have a general with her? Sure. Why not? So she came in, I met her. That's she was, I'm she was brand new. And then she actually also did our podcast. That's right. And she's had oh. a wonderful long career. And she was in a big commercial this summer. Uh, oh, that's who it was. Yeah. 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 Peloton. Yeah. She's yeah. still very attractive. Very. And, but we took Done. her, she had no credits, I think, when we took her, That's and then immediately cool. got into be. Uh, uh, we hired her, and then she immediately there was a sitcom that was very um, CBS sitcom that they had high hopes for. It was a little, you know, not not so uh, high concept. She was one of the three immediately cast in it after doing our show, so she she always saw that as our show was her stepping stone. To Really Are you talking about brotherly love, maybe? No, I, yeah. I'm not talking about that. Okay. All right. Uh, there's also, how about, um, what did I just see? Did I say Hank Stratton? No. no. He, was, he, he was on our he was on our podcast at some point, too, Hank Stratton. Hank, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know who he is. I'm trying to remember. I was looking to go to John Ingle, my high school. Uh, that's who I'm going to next. Yeah, well, there's two. All right, there's... right now, John Ingle. Yeah. yeah, well, there's John Densmore, and then there's John Ingle. But yeah, go ahead. John Densmore was friends, was in the doors, Diane. He was friends with Dan Adius. Ah, okay. Dan mm -hmm. had him come and be a, uh, I think, head of AA or something. Like that. That's right. Uh, okay. John Ingle was the developer who was had the project that was going to take over the Peach Pit. That's right. John Ingle was my high school drama teacher, as well as Greg Finley's high school drama teacher, as well as Julie Cobb's high school drama teacher, Joanna Gleason's high school drama teacher, Lorraine Newman's high school drama teacher, David Schwimmer's high school drama teacher. Wow. He, he just was everybody's high school drama teacher. And uh, so to be able to catch, cast John, who people would know as Mr. Quartermaster or something from General Hospital or Dr. Quartermaster. And, 
That's right. He started to do that role after he stopped teaching. Immediately got hired in that, and that's what he did. I think I just told you bring him in because, and I made that, and I know that we made him read for me, so that there was a way at least I I would know that he would remember me, (laughs) rather than you know because he always got me confused with Jeff White. You know, we kind of joint Jewish guys, never going to be the lead, but there'd be good supporting roles. All right, I think we covered season two. If there's anybody that the fans want us to dive into when we do our big fan fest with Diane, they can ask about them at that point. So is that what we- Fan fest, she asks? Fan fest? She'll she'll be aware of it soon, so yeah. Oh, lucky Diane. Uh Uh-oh. Diane, have a good rest of your day. Oh, you as well, Chuck. I'm always so glad to see you.